stargazers, welcome to 7th House Astrology, where I take a topic that is astrological or that is related to relationships, and I investigate it under the lens of Sinistry Astrology, otherwise known as Love or Relationship Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misek, and I am so glad that you guys are joining me today. Well, um, just like with last week, this week I decided to continue on with the quote-unquote minor aspects in the regard of asteroids. Now, as I'd mentioned last week, it's quite unfortunate that many astrologers consider the asteroids to be the minor aspects. I understand that they do this because um, many asteroids are being discovered on a very frequent basis. And I know with a lot of astrologers, when a big asteroid is discovered, they try to incorporate it into astrology and that there's some missing, you know, kind of like with Chericlau or the, the asteroid Chericlau, there are some missing aspects. We have um, a couple of mythological aspects that we can take from when it comes to the asteroid and what it means and its energy in the chart, but we're still discovering more about it. But like I said last week, um, when it comes to minor aspects, they really, especially with the asteroids, they really peel back another layer to our onion or the onion that is of ourselves. And it actually instigates a lot of great soul work and um, really a lot of great in-depth work with us as to why we do what we do. You know, and again, kind of explained by our astrological chart, but yet also it's something that we can kind of really uh, look into in our day-to-day lives. And I feel like that's the the beauty of astrology. And in Sinistry Astrology, I feel like with the asteroids, they really um, give us some reasons as to why we do what we do in relationships or how we approach relationships and why, you know, giving that that deeper essence of the why in there. But as true to course today, we're actually going to uh, dive into Pallas, otherwise known as Pallas Athene. I believe that's how you say it. Um, it you know, the last one is spelled A-T-H-E-N-E. But before we get into Pallas and what exactly she means when you see her in your chart, I'd like to uh, kind of go into the mythology of Athena in brief, you know, since this is the palace Athena, Athena is for Athena, and this asteroid was actually inspired by her. So many times we have, if we're, we have some, we've had, many of us have had uh, basic Greco-Roman background mythology, you know, we've read about either the Greeks or the Romans and their mythology, you know, going back to grade school, maybe in middle school, maybe in high school. Um, so we're pretty well familiar with Athena, but a couple of points that I just want to share with you that I felt would be helpful in really diving into the asteroid and the meaning thereof was that, um, you know, with Athena, she was one of the virgin goddesses. She was actually a virgin goddess, just like with Artemis. And um, really, her role in Mount Olympus was really to cultivate wisdom 
and to really focus on cultivating wisdom. Whereas with Artemis, Artemis was all about cultivating independence, cultivating um, the meaning of the hunt, what it is to be in the woods, to be of the hunt, um, why the hunt is so special in society. You know, with Athena, it was why wisdom is really essential in society. She felt like being involved with another god would get in the way of that. Being involved with a man would get in the way of that. God respect the goddess. You gotta respect the virgin goddesses all the way around because I mean, they really, they were really goddesses who stood on their own two feet for for a change and actually really sought their purpose out in full without having love, affection kind of get in the way or having, like I said, again, the opposite sex get in the way. But with Athena, she was actually considered to be the patron goddess of Athens. So a lot of Athenians were really proud of that because, you know, again, they would, they would kind of compare themselves to the Spartans, whereas the Spartans were very, very like Mars ruled in a way. They were, very, you know, when they got into battle, they're very gory. They're very bloody. Um, they made sure that their opponents were not only massacred, but dismembered and their bodies thrown into the ocean and just all blood, guts and gore. Also, I think it was true with Sparta that um, the Spartans were really militaristic. They were focused on that. Uh, one of my professors had even mentioned it was kind of like a misogynistic paradise. The men were really reigning supreme. Women were in the background. Well, unlike Spartans, Athenians prided themselves that when they were to go into war, especially that Athena would inspire them to go into war with strategy and to go into war with critical thinking skills and again, cultivate the wisdom, cultivate, you know, think with the head, fight with your head, not your fists so much. However, she was also dressed in armor. She, being Athena, was also dressed in armor, which usually meant that she was not too adversive to rolling up her sleeves and getting dirty when it came down to going to war. But I think really when it came down to being the patron goddess of Athens, which was like kind of the seat of culture and society in Greece, especially with ancient Greece, I think it's fair to say with Athena along with Apollo really kind of elevated her presence and her, you know, inspiration really kind of elevated society a little bit better. And her elevation was obviously through how to be smart, how to be wise, you know, how to really cultivate, you know, your mind more than your, like I said, your fists or your beauty, you know, your mind really, I think, trumps that of all the externals that are within relationships, you know, such as beauty, such as how you look, such as how you dress. Um, if you're really smart and you're really sharp, again, using your head can trump a lot of Actually, using your head could be very beautiful and very attractive in and of itself. But in a way, with Athena, she did raise Athens and did raise Greece up a little bit when it came to culture. And then, of course, she was also represented. Many goddesses in Greco-Roman mythology and gods, too, were always represented by a particular animal or a bird. For Diana or Artemis, it was the hare or rabbit. 
For Hera or Juno, it was the peacock to represent civil union. For Athena, of course, it was the owl. Every time that you saw an owl, you better believe. And, and also many modern pagans also believe every time you see an owl, you better believe that Athena is right behind that owl as well. So the reasons why I kind of mentioned Athena just a little bit was because uh, with Pallas Athene, some of, again, kind of like with Juno, some of the myths appear in the asteroid. So uh, the biggest two things that I found were, again, Pallas Athena or Pallas Athene, when it appears in your chart, usually means how you problem solve. So kind of like with Athena, goddess of wisdom, goddess of war in Athens, she would um, really make sure that her soldiers or her followers as well were cultivating strategy over that of the fists and the the blood, guts, and gore. Um, when Pallas Athene enters our chart or when she's in our chart, it basically reveals to us how we naturally problem solve organically. And again, there's many shades of this as well, too. I mean, are we more likely to empathize with our opponent? Are we watery in the regard that we tend to empathize and try to show compassion and try to relate to someone on the emotional level when we problem solve? Are we very practical and tactical in our quest and in our search as with Earth are we very logically oriented as with air or are we driven by passion? Are we driven by discovery, particularly of creativity as well to our create? Are we do, are we into creative sort of methods when it comes to problem solving? All these things tend to be revealed in our chart. Um, and with problem solving, it's not just how we naturally problem solve and how we've naturally problem solved since childhood or how we've, you know, managed to resolve and overcome obstacles, hurdles, as well as problems. But it also um, enlightens us as to how we can grow and how we can improve in that situation. You know, for example, if you do have Pallas Athene, say, in Cancer, and you're more likely to want to be empathetic and you want to relate to your opponent and find a way to resolve issues in that vein, palace, your palace position can also reveal how you might, you can do this while using empathy or how you can resolve the issue while using empathy. And maybe you might want to also add, you know, adding compassion for the other person, for the other side, and making sure that you're also listening to the other side fully with a full open heart and not allowing for the same, uh, the same sort of modality to also blind you when in an argument or when in a problem, which is um, not thinking too emotively, but, you know, sharing some compassion, but yet also thinking very openly and feeling very openly with the other side so that you guys can actually get to a very wonderful and concise conclusion when it comes to resolving that issue. Now, I, I also found this interesting along with problem solving, um, just like with Athena, there, uh, Pallas also represents wisdom in our chart. 
And again, wisdom, how it's naturally cultivated and also how we go about cultivating wisdom is what's revealed in our charts. Now, I do want to add this, that when it comes to wisdom, I know that Western society, and especially when I was doing research this week, a lot of astrologers love to give the detriment, the um, exalted position, as well as the fall. You know, obviously, palace in an exalted position can think very rationally. It's usually in an air sign or possibly in Virgo, because like uh, with Mercury, palace Athena really does well in either the air signs or in Virgo, also be or um, even like Gemini and Virgo, knowing that those two signs are also ruled by Mercury. And actually, Pallas Athene, surprise, surprise, is actually linked to Mercury, a natal Mercury. We'll get into more of that later. But uh, the point that I really want to make about wisdom is that while many astrologers kind of praise the exalted and then kind of badmouth the fall, um, for me, I don't really care for that because it kind of makes it sound like You know, Pallas Athene is the best when it's in Libra or when it's in Gemini or Aquarius or Virgo. And then the rest of us, it's kind of, you know, you you guys are kind of the, the least favorite. And I find that that's kind of a disadvantage because, um, just like with Mercury, just like with Venus and with Mars, every sign expresses the archetype very differently. You know, and just like with Mercury, um, whereas one sign is really great in thinking logically through problems and um, is really great, you know, in gen- you know, like they have that genius by using their head and rational thought, which is what uh, Western society has always loved um, since the dawn of time. You know, there are many people who have many different intelligence centers. As I've mentioned, too, you know, there can be people who can think with or who can come to profound conclusions by listening to their emotions about the situation. There are people who can come to profound conclusions by waiting, halting, and seeing what results from this. And again, I argue the same thing uh, with wisdom. Wisdom and how it's cultivated, I always say whatever works for you is where you're right. What doesn't work, obviously, discard it and, you know, learn from what you discard and move forward and look for what works for you. Again, there's 12 different ways to cultivate wisdom with Pallas's position. There's probably even more than that as well. So don't let the exalted and the fall kind of get to you either. I know with my Pallas Athene position, it's probably like in the middle between exalted and fall uh, for me. And to be honest with you, I don't feel like I'm less wise than somebody who has Pallas Athene in Virgo or in some in one of the air signs. I just I just feel that we come to conclusions very differently. Um, so with that in mind, with Pallas Athene, it's not only the wisdom that we're, we have organically that's revealed, but also how we go about cultivating wisdom. Do we, are you like me, stargazers, where you've read up on philosophy and, you know, you kind of cultivate your wisdom from there? And if so, when it comes down to philosophy, what types of philosophy 
Um, do you like classical philosophy, such as with um, investigating Socrates or investigating, you know, Pluto or investigating um, some of the, you know, like I said, just investigating true old school, genuine philosophy? Are you kind of like me where you like to explore maybe different traditions, like um, maybe Buddhist philosophy and what it offers, or maybe Hindu philosophy and what it offers, or maybe there might be some other religious philosophies or other philosophies and other bits of wisdom from other cultures and other religions that can really bring insight into your own realm. Um, some of you may may feel like, oh my gosh, philosophy is such a waste of time because there's really no end result. It's always just so open-ended. I like science. I like practical matters. I like hands-on. I mean, that's definitely an avenue as well. I usually see that a lot with the you know, palace in the earth signs, especially um, particularly with Virgo. But um, I do see it with the, the other earth signs in the regard of Give me some hands-on practicality. Give me a hypothesis. Give me a conclusion that's backed up by empirical evidence and all the five senses. And again, if that's a way of cultivating wisdom for you in looking at the world differently, my hat's off to you. If that helps for you, that's great. Maybe you're someone who is inspired and gains wisdom from creativity from an art project or when you're engaged in painting or when you're engaged in a work of art or when you're engaged in writing, that's where your wisdom cultivates. Maybe you're somebody who's way far different. Um, everybody, I feel like cultivates wisdom differently, but where Pallas Athena in your chart um, is basically what indicates how you cultivate wisdom. Um, not only not only the or natural organic wisdom, but how you cultivate wisdom. Are you book smart? Are you street smart? Um, how you your modality for gaining wisdom, your modality for exploring the world. And I think that that really opens up a lot of possibilities and solutions. Sometimes, too, uh, with not only the sign, but also the house that Pallas Athena happens to be within, it can reveal some insights as to why you might want to, you know, cultivate wisdom in the ways that you cultivate wisdom. So, stargazers, I did want to also just mention to you, just like with Juno last week, when I mentioned with Juno that, you know, knowing what you want in a relationship um, coming into a relationship with knowing what you want as well, too, takes time. The same thing with Pallas. Um, you're not going to gain wisdom overnight, as with the, you know, all the asteroids. Gaining wisdom, again, that's not something that happens overnight. Gaining wisdom is actually a lifelong thing, um, just as I feel that genius um, comes about as well, too. That is a lifelong process. I feel by the time that you actually come up to a masterpiece or by the time that you're actually considered to be a full-blown genius or a, you know, a, the greatest of innovators is unfortunately when you're six feet under. So again, lifelong work here with Pallas Athene. It takes time. However, um, you know, when it takes time, this is, it's nice to see Pallas Athene in your chart to kind of get the wheels turning. 
um, it, it's not only revealing at into, oh, yeah, this is how I resolve problems. You know, kind of like my own personal example, um, when I found out that Pallas Athene was in Capricorn for me, that actually really highlighted and made a lot of sense as to why when I was 26, I wanted to resolve problems and become a mediator or act like a mediator um, in order to be not only far more mature, but also it was just really solving problems creatively was just very, very intriguing to me, especially in a workplace environment where there might be a disagreement between two colleagues or disagreement between two companies as well, too. And I find that a lot of what I was interested in was definitely, that's definitely very related to Capricorn. Um, you know, Capricorn resolving differences between companies, resolving differences between coworkers, resolving differences and discrepancies in the workplace. And I just felt like, especially when I graduated from college, it's like if I walked into the workplace with this knowledge, I might be ahead of the game or I might be a little bit more ahead and work more efficiently if I utilize that. But, um, since then, I know I've cultivated wisdom in very earthy ways, like very practical ways as well. While I do turn to philosophy myself, um, philosophies of different religions, there are also just times where I just like to know like the psychology behind things, or I like to know the, the whys behind things as explained in either social psychology, sometimes into science. But, you know, things that are very hands-on and very practical, which, like I said, that it's very unlike my air sign, my third house in Libra, which is definitely airy, um, and very unlike my sun sign, which is very fiery. Um, I thought I would, you know, resolve problems with, you know, creativity. But again, um, it, it was very revealing to me. But um, to be honest with you, with that revelation, as much as I know what I do know about myself with the, the with Pallas and Capricorn, it still leaves a lot of room for me to grow with my wisdom. I might come up to other interests or I might come up to other areas of wisdom, of cultivating wisdom that I've never thought of before or that my Leonine brain may not have thought of before, but it's just, it's in there. And um, that's where I feel where palace and finding our palace positions can be very beneficial. And of course, as, as we relate everything to synastry, um, the synastry aspects, of course, are that of, well, as we all know, relationships are between two partners who can be very different. And with those differences, there comes problems. And so, uh, Pallas Athene really shows us how we come into relation, the knowledge and the wisdom we come to in relationships and how exactly we go about problem solving. Um, are we very hands on? Are we very creative? Are we, you know, how, how do we go about the mess? that's presented in front of us with our partner and how do we pick up the pieces and move on with the relationship when it comes to our partner. As I'd mentioned earlier, Pallas Athena is related to Mercury. So if you're like, well, Sandra, you know, I have Pallas Athena in Libra. 
I'm starting to find ways to balance, um, you know, when it comes to problem solving, I definitely find balance between people and I find balance between myself and the problem at hand, but it's just not enough. Um, you know, it's like if you're, you're kind of yearning for more, definitely take a look at Mercury and its relation. Um, the relationship between Pallas, Athena, and Mercury may indicate and shed some light. It's like if you're having, it's like, hey, I can balance these things out. But like, say this person has Pallas, Athena, and Libra, they're balancing things out, but they can't really determine which side is right, or they can't really determine where to go when it comes to their wisdom. They have like two great ideas. They're equally compelling, but they don't know where to go with them. Or they're just having a lot of indecisive moments. That relationship to Mercury, like say they have a hard aspect to Mercury, that can actually be very revealing in and of itself. You know, kind of like if um, say that Mercury should be in Pisces, for instance, well, um, again, there's probably a lot of balancing the practical with the ethereal and the practical with the mystical in that person's life. And finding that balance can really, um, finding the, not only the commonalities between both signs, but finding that balance can really be very much revealed. And the hangups too can really be very much revealed with those hard aspects as well. Even with easy aspects, it, a lot can be revealed as well too. Um, you know, like I have, you know, Pallas Athena and Capricorn to my natal Mercury, which is in Virgo. It's actually trined, but which kind of really emphasizes that I am far more concrete that I give myself credit for. Um, I'm always, I've always thought of myself as being a creative person. I always thought of myself as being a very thinking person, getting stuck in my head. I never really thought that I was very grounded, concrete, and earthy as the earth signs and very uh, sometimes materialistic. And I, I think I can admit that sometimes with my resolutions, I can be materialistic in the regard that I need an object or I need a physical thing in my hand or I need a physical thing in front of me. Um, you know, it's, it's like I said, again, it's just very revealing and it's revealing another side of me that I'd never really had known existed. But I think along with the relation to Mercury um, in relationships, that can definitely reveal where you might be hung up when it comes to resolving issues with your pro with your partner, and also with the wisdom that you come into the relationship with, what might skew you when it comes to your partner, or what might skew you um, when your partner throws you a curveball. You know, and you know might be received very well. It might be maneuvered very well. It might not be. Um, it might be a confounding situation, in which you have to gain more knowledge. And again, that that's a good, nice heads up as well. I would also say in Sinistry too, um, if you take a look not only at Pals Athene between you and your partner, not only do you get a sense of how much problem solving will be will have to be made in the relationship, 
but also comparing your pals, Athena, to your partner's Mercury position as well, too, to see where there might be hangups when it comes to, like, say, communication or just in general with resolving the issue at hand. Again, if there are hard aspects between either both both your partner's Palsathenae's position and your Palsathenae's position, or with your Palsathenae's position to your partner's Mercury position, it might reveal a lot as to what's going to happen in that relationship and how problems will be received in that relationship. Will it be an open atmosphere um, if there are problems that are you know openly brought up, or will it be shut down? And do you have to maybe work on that in the relationship or seek for another relationship if it gets that bad? So, stargazers, um, since last week, I'd gotten a little egocentric with Juno. I sometimes have those moments where the Leo side of me is all about me. Um, I decided to actually explore Pallas Athene or Pallas in two different sample charts. And, you know, again, kind of giving an example as to how Pallas works, what it reveals, how it works when it comes to the individual, as well as how that individual would approach the matters of conflict in their relationships. I actually have two actors this time. One of the actors I felt really embodied Pallas Athene very much in her lifetime. She has always been my favorite actor and still continues to be my favorite actor. And that is that of Anne Bancroft. So we'll be exploring her chart where Pallas Athene lies. If you guys are not familiar with Anne Bancroft... Oh, shame on you. That was a joke, by the way. But um, if you're not familiar with Anne Bancroft, definitely check out The Graduate. Uh, she played Mrs. Robinson in that one. Definitely check out Keeping the Faith. I think anything that Anne Bancroft is in, that she is in, I think she just had a very wonderful way of just displaying her genius and all of her films. So definitely in all of her films, if you're on Netflix, if you're on a streaming service, if you're just looking to check out a DVD, um, definitely any of her films in her filmography, I think are just wonderful. Um, even if the film wasn't so great, she actually as an actor was the best I felt. So definitely looking at her chart. I'd also would say to she one of her another another one of her greatest films and one of her greatest roles was being the tutor to Helen Keller in The Miracle Worker. Um, she played the tutor to Helen Keller in that um, particular film, and really very brilliant in in that film as well. Um, the other actor that I'm going to be taking a look at is Audrey Hepburn. Again, not familiar with Audrey Hepburn. Oh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, where she played Holly Goliardi. And then the second film that I would recommend with Audrey Hepburn, Charade. I love, love, love Charade. My dad actually introduced me to Charade. I love it. Uh, Stargazers, if you love a good murder mystery, you love a good thriller. I mean, Charade is all of that. 
And also there's a little bit of an upbeat, lighthearted tone to it as well, too. I, I, I can't really describe it any more than that. It's, it sounds weird, but there, there is, there is that element and that component to it. Also, what I love about Charade, old school Hollywood at its finest. Not only do you have Audrey Hepburn in the cast, but you have Mr. Archibald Leach, otherwise known as Cary Grant. I mean, and then there's uh, Martin, uh, I think it was Martin Landau in there. I mean, just a super stellar, stellar cast in there. And like I said, old school Hollywood at its finest. I'm just like just over the moon over that. So definitely check that out. But to get into Anne Bancroft's chart, so she actually had Pallas Athene or Pallas in Libra. And um, it's the Rodden rating was kind of dicey. Um, Rodden rating is how accurate the chart is. Um, if it was by memory, if the actor had a birth certificate in hand. Um, really with Anne Bancroft, I think it was just generally drawn. And unfortunately, the general is all that um, Astro does have. But I'm just going to say just for all purposes, um, Pallas was actually in her 11th house in Libra. Uh, she also had, and I think this is probably why I've liked her so much and admired her so much, like me, she had um, Venus, or not Venus, uh, she did have Venus in Virgo. She also had Mercury in Virgo as well, too, which is something I also tend to have as well. But to get into Pallas Athene and to get into Anne Bancroft solely and not onto me. So with Anne Bancroft with um, Pallas in Libra, a lot of astrologers say that Pallas in Libra is actually a great placement, um, really, because Libra is all about harmony, all about balance, coming to a balance. The way that I would see with Anne Bancroft with Pallas in Libra would be that um, naturally in situations, the way that she'd problem solve a situation So like say she was working for a particular director and suddenly out of nowhere, he just pulled down his pants and you, you know, just like kind of stood there in his underwear, directing somebody in his underwear in full view. Of course, with Anne Bancroft, I think if she would, uh, well, not even, I think, of course, Anne Bancroft would 100% call the Screen Actors Guild. But instead of, you know, instead of, um, calling the Screen Actors Guild and saying, oh my God, how unprofessional, fix this now or I quit. With Pals being in Libra, she probably would say, you know, guys, the director pulled down his pants and had shown his underwear. Now, while that is very unprofessional, I really would like to give it the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he was on cough medicine or some really bad cold medicine that gave him a really bad loopy doopy situation in his head. Um, you know, maybe he was just kind of off that day. But guys, could you investigate it for me? Um, I kind of felt like it was very weird and uncalled for. I couldn't really investigate it on my own. Um, could you investigate it for me? 
So again, with Pallas and Libra, um, again, wanting to find resolution at all costs. And again, with um, Libra, not bad mouthing one person, you know, instead of, you know, where many actors would be like, oh my God, that's so unprofessional. This, this director is done for, I hate him, so on and so forth. Um, Libra is more about appeasing the other person, giving that person the benefit of the doubt and making sure that situations are handled in a very good exchange. That's, I think, why a lot of a lot of astrologers say, yeah, not philosophers, astrologers. That's why a lot of astrologers say that I think, um, you know, Libra is a great place for Pallas because um, Pallas is all about problem solving, and Libra is more than that. It's like problem solving plus, you know, problem solving, diplomacy justice, having fairness, and making sure also too, I think the biggest thing with Palace and Libra, making sure that when you problem solve that everybody's happy as well too. Um, I think the biggest drawback um, where um, Palace and Libra can work on when it comes to wisdom. So the natural wisdom that Anne Bancroft would have would be, okay, how to be fair to everybody on set, how to be fair when we come up to an issue and when we come up to a problem. But unfortunately for Librans, and I mean, this is not just Pallas Athene. I think, you know, with a lot of plants being in Libra, being fair, not only to the other person, but being fair to yourself, I think is really the hardest part with Libra. Libra can be very selfless. Kind of like with Pisces, Pisceans too. Libra and Pisces, they can be very selfless. And very giving. Unfortunately, sometimes they also need the love too. And I think with Anne Bancroft, one thing that she did struggle with, with Pallas, um, Athene being in Libra was, okay, how to handle this, resolve the situation. But do I feel that this, this was resolved? Everybody else is happy. That's wonderful. But do I feel the problem has been resolved? And I feel like that's where a hang up on wisdom could be detected and that's where wisdom could be delved into a bit more like how how can i be fair to myself as well as to everybody else obviously natural wisdom being fair to everybody um, especially with that 11th house placement um, being fair, being friendly, making friends, making good acquaintances with everybody. Um, some astrologers even say that social justice is also really prominent with Pallas in the 11th house as well, too. I think it's because the 11th house is ruled, you know, traditionally ruled by Aquarius. And with Aquarius, there is that humanitarian side. So I think with 11th house, you know, being concerned with family, friends, also with social cause, kind of like the sixth being involved in social causes, but really more um, social causes that can give justice um, as opposed to where the sixth house, it's more like social causes to where it's to help and be in need of right now. I kind of look at the difference between the two, whereas the 11th house hearkens social justice and hearkens the cause, the sixth house gets it done. So um, I wouldn't be surprised with Anne Bancroft if she was involved in a lot of philanthropic work, um, if her wisdom with uh, her wis- wisdom with um, Pallas and Libra was naturally conveyed in that, um, how to bring not only harmony between coworkers on set, but also how to bring harmony 
um, to the world as a whole as well, too. With her natal Mercury, it was semi-squared, you know, Pallas Athene um, and in Libra and then her Mercury position in Virgo, semi-squared a little bit. I think the only thing that could have been a hang-up with Miss Bancroft, um, or I should say with Anne Bancroft, was that um, sometimes the precision of Virgo could kind of get in the way of the balance and the harmony that Libra would strive for. So like with that director who pulled down his pants, again, uh, that Virgo side would be like, well, but as much as you're trying to give that that director the benefit of the doubt, that was still wrong. Socially, that is still wrong. Socially, that is, that's, that's not okay. And that needs to be addressed. So, um, again, with Virgo kind of harping a little bit more on getting perfection out of the situation, getting perfection in the solution of the problem at large. Also, the other big hang up when it comes to wisdom while, um, wanting fairness for the world, again, having precision. You know, making sure that that fairness for the world is following precise rules, precise codes of conduct, precise ways of doing particular things. And I think uh, with Anne Bancroft, she could have struggled between precision or fairness or, you know, fairness, but having to try to include precision in there, which can be rather tricky, rather tough. However, with Pallas and Athene, uh, when it came to a relationship with Mel Brooks, her husband, I think really, um, she really approached the relationship with wanting commitment, um, and really making sure that commitment was maintained when resolving issues and problems that may have resulted from either his offbeat humor, or that might have resulted from a particularly bad habit of his as well, too. Um, I, I just, I find that really she wanted to approach all matters very fairly. She wanted to speak about matters, um, in order for them to be resolved and also make sure that, um, again, where she might've critiqued Mel Brooks at one point that she also equally gave praise for him at another point to express how much she appreciated him and how much she really cared for him as well. And I feel like the wisdom that she came into with the relationship, again, how, how I think she really came in with a lot of natural wisdom of how to make the marriage work, you know, how to be balanced enough to make the, the marriage work and really imparted that very much so in her, her relationship with Mel Brooks. And it, it pains me to, to talk about her and the, the, past tense. Unfortunately, she passed away in 2005. That broke my heart, but such as is. But I feel like this is what really um, was playing out with Pallas Athena or Pallas being in Libra, and particularly in the 11th house. I'd also would say that with this placement too, um, wouldn't be surprised if a lot of her friends and close acquaintances came to her for advice that she just had a great way of resolving things very diplomatically as well as very precisely. And I think she did find, you know, eventually she did find a way to balance fairness and precision to where she could really get ultimate wisdom with that. 
So moving into Audrey Hepburn, so I was talking about Pisces in relation to Libra and how Pisces can equally be selfless. Well, guess what? Audrey Hepburn had Pallas Athene or Pallas in Pisces, 26 degrees Pisces to be exact, in her first house. Now, um, with Pisces, again, uh, this person would have a natural intuitive sense. I would, I wouldn't be surprised with, um, Audrey Hepburn if, like, say there were some, you know, kind of some disagreements about playing Holly Goliardi in Breakfast at Tiffany's because her character is kind of, eh. Not so much, especially in the 1950s to the 1960s, not so great on the moral ground. But I wouldn't be surprised if she had said, you know what? I have a gut hunch about this. I have a gut hunch about this role. Let me pursue it. I feel like that's where Pallas would come in. Pallas in Pisces would be coming in for Audrey Hepburn. You know, she just naturally... Her wisdom brewed from her intuition, from her gut sense, from just kind of giving things a try just because she's, she's got that great feeling or kind of giving things, not, not giving things a try because, well, she's just feeling in her bones that it's just not the right fit. Maybe like there were a couple of roles that came by while that, you know, that really sounded very strong on paper, but she might just had like, especially when reading the script, she might have just had this feeling, this like annoying feeling in the gut of her stomach or in her bones too, where she's just like, no, I don't think this is right. I don't think this is okay. So um, that's where the wisdom for her would naturally occur is from her wisdom and what it taught to her as well. I would also say that Pallas Athene in Pisces, very much like Libra, um, Problem solving is all about making sure that everyone's happy. But I would say somebody who has Pallas Athene, like say if Audrey Hepburn dealt with a director who pulled his pants down in the middle of shooting, she would probably be more inclined to kind of um, maybe report the incident to the Screen Actors Guild anonymously and probably also try to blend in to the environment a bit better um, so that a, she's like, she is noticing what's going on, but she's still working with what she has as an actor and, and continuing on from there. But again, also, um, what, if she were to report it again, reporting it anonymously is big with Pisces. They don't want to rock the boat. They hate rocking the boat. And I wouldn't be surprised with Audrey Hepburn that when she had to bring um, conflicts to the fore, it was very hard for her, actually. In fact, that's probably a hang-up. That was probably a hang-up for her was bringing conflicts to the fore. She just didn't want to do that. She just wanted everyone to get along, just be kind of in a happy Pisces, happy, dreamy Pisces sort of state. Um, I think where her wisdom would have grown was how to you know, it's like, look, sometimes conflict is necessary. And I mean, I've been guilty of this too, myself, um, where it's like, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want, you know, anything bad to happen to anybody. But sometimes conflict is necessary in order to get some things done and also in order to learn. And I also have to remind myself sometimes mistakes happen at just in that same vein. Mistakes happen in order to learn. 
And you know, I, I can tell with Pisces, especially with Rock in the Boat, um, that wisdom of how to address the issues that were abundant and still get them resolved was, you know, again, kind of recognizing that that's, that's the first way to get issues resolved, I think was really big for her. With Mercury, so I indicated the degrees because um, with um, Audrey Hepburn, Pallas was not in a cusping position, but Mercury was. Mercury was literally in zero degrees Gemini. So what that meant was with her Mercury placement, she could be um, equally fun and wanting to learn more. So like with Holly Goliardi, I wouldn't be surprised if she wanted to accept that role because it was fun, it was new, it was fresh, and yes, it was edgy. Geminians love new, fun, fresh, edgy, anything to where they can learn something new. They love things that are new. They love things that are shiny, sparkly, and just awesome. And, you know, I think that appealed to her. But then also to, um, with Mercury, there was a side of her thinking where it had to be practical, like, um, accepting Holly Goliardi. Well, there was more money in the project. There was more stability. There was more security. And also, again, more to cut her teeth on when it came to acting, um, when it came to the acting chops. So, um, there was also equally that Torian side as well in the thinking and decision making process. Um, so when it came to Pallas, Athena, or with Pallas, with the uh, Torian side, things, w- you know, so the Torian side, it would have been sextiled each other. So there would have been an easy transaction between Mercury and Pallas. So uh, when it came to resolving problems, things, you know, as you know, kind of blending in seemed to be a good idea that that helped to, you know, make everything run smoothly, that helped everything to just kind of run on schedule, and to be as productive as possible. However, um, with Gemini, it forms a square. So with Audrey Hepburn, I think she had to balance her problem solving and wisdom of Pisces of like just listening to the gut with listening to the head as well too. Um, you know, Gemini is big on listening to logic, listening to, you know, what the head provides when it comes to roles. And I know this for my own self because there are times where I either squash my intuition or I listen to it too much and not listen to my head enough. The balance between the head and the gut, the balance between intuition and logic is very, very tricky at most. And I can just imagine with her, you know, having to balance wisdom that is inferred to by the gut and by intuition, but having to balance that with the mind and having to rationalize that with the mind was probably very hard for Audrey Hepburn and very hard for her. But um, what I have seen with wisdom or with her wisdom, uh, listening to her intuition proved very well. Uh, you know, especially like with Sabrina, Charade, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. I mean, actually with a lot of her works, a lot of her movies, I can tell it was, you know, the actor's hunch as to why she accepted it and proved very well. I mean, how many great blockbusters did she have in her day and how many great movies did she have that we still admire and watch to this day? Uh, very much so. 
When it came to relationships, the nat- again, natural inclination would be to show compassion to your partner. And I think her wisdom was like how to love your partner, really. Um, and also, I think with partners, too, I wouldn't be surprised, again, if she felt psychically drawn to someone or she'd feel like psychically drawn to um, her husband um, as well, too. And that's kind of how it was instigated and met, especially with Pallas Athena being in the first house. She was not afraid to explore matters of herself um, in regards to relationship. You know, who was she as herself, as well as who was she in the relationship um, and investigating those themes um, I wouldn't be surprised she was very independent as well as, you know, she could merge very well in the relationship and know how to make that work, but also know how to make and uh, also feel comfortable with her independence as well, too. I feel like the overall wisdom that she brought into there was um, really like being active, you know, active in listening to her partner, making sure that everything was going well that her partner's needs were met with a lot of love, a lot of compassion and understanding. And I think also um, her wisdom was probably very much like Anne Bancroft, very deep, Um, you know, just very um, in-depth and Pisceans, you know, anyone who has any aspect in Pisces, they just come to know things. They just have like a clear cognizance about things. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was also Audrey Hepburn within her relationships as well, that she just kind of knew some things as to how to make the relationship work. Couldn't really explain how it's just, it just happened to be there. It just happened to be something that spoke to her in her head, something she felt, something she intuited in the relationship as well. All right, stargazers. So that is my episode on Palace this week. Um, definitely give me a comment either at the bottom of this episode, bottom of this podcast, or, um, you know, definitely uh, leave me some feedback as to how you feel about this. Um, if you, if it's revealing, if it was kind of eh for you, like meh for you, um, or if it was really very, uh, insightful or not very insightful. You can also leave comments, questions at my email page or my email, uh, email messaging system at misek, M-I-S-E-K dot Sandra at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Sandra dot Again, that's M-I-S-E-K. Also, um, if you guys are interested in a free Sinistry chart reading, definitely check out my Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash 7th House Astrology, where for as little as $5 a month, you can also become a member and support yours truly and this podcast as well. But above all, stargazers, do not be afraid to look up at the stars I believe that we are in an actual waning moon right now, knowing that the full moon was actually last week. Um, with the waning moon, you can still see her, and she still illuminates the sky very well. But, you know, along with, you know, planets aside and luminaries aside, 
you know, looking up at the night sky gives us, uh, gives us the origins of astrology. And also, above all, it just gives us a nice pause, especially, oh my goodness, stargazers. I don't know if you've been noticing as well, but every, I think it's like all the generational planets are in retrograde right now as well as Mercury. And oh my goodness, I cannot believe how many things I, today I've had so many things hide and fall. It's just ridiculous. And above all, I've had to take um, the message from Rachel Stewart Haas on how to just, you know, move a little more slowly and really kind of slow down the pace because of technical malfunctions or because of just how my brain is, I know for me, my brain has been fogging over like no other. And it's just been interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. But I think stargazers looking up at the night sky could definitely give us a pause to all these retrograde movements, all these retrograde planets. Um, I think good news is Mercury will, will go back into direct as of the 3rd of October. Unfortunately for those generational planets, it's going to take a little longer. But, um, you know, uh, definitely take a pause from the retrograde stuff and really become very present with the night sky, with the starry sky. But above all, stargazers, despite the retrograde planets and their motions, I do hope that I find you well. Please be careful out there, um, especially with Uranus retrograde. It's been causing near-miss accidents. That's one thing I have noticed. So do be careful out there. And between next week and now, I do hope to find you well. And until then, stargazers, 